0: Good morning folks. Good to see everyone. It's already been said, first Sunday in December. Years coming to an end. We're in a series. If you're new with us, uh, this is part three of three called Crazy Like Us. Today's topic is first things first. If you want to catch up or or review what we've talked about in the past two weeks, there would be audios on our website or on Facebook. You can watch actually the whole service. This series is about Trying to teach you to do something you probably think you know how to do, but you probably don't. It's contrasting giving with being generous, doing something with being something. And it's kind of insulting in a way, and I know you're above average as a group, but the average American does not know how to do this. So just in case there's a few people here that doesn't, we're going to help you this morning or last two weeks. So we review a few, few slides here, we'll review from the, ha- from the past two weeks, and then we'll start new. Generosity is more than random acts of giving. Everybody gives, everybody's really good at this, if there's a disaster, Americans are fantastic at this. Millions and millions of dollars get poured into places where there's hurricanes and tornadoes and so forth. So the natural disasters, we have a local disaster, you all would pitch in to pay for that. Uh, We're all good at random acts of giving. That is not generosity. That is not a generous lifestyle or mindset. We gave you a promise, pretty cool promise I think, that when you become generous, have a generous lifestyle, you will give more. We all like to give more, right? We'd save more. That'd be good for all of us, wouldn't it? And consume less. Now, you might argue with that a little bit, but in order to do the first two, you'd have to do the third one, right? Now, Jesus gives us an extra promise to this, to this, and he said, you will actually be happier. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you want to be happier? Well, I want to be happy, right? So, generous lifestyle equals happiness. So, you can do this. I can do this. We should do this, Right? Uh, teachings of Jesus. So last week we looked at this ca- thing called a crazy cycle of the standard American. All right? And it, it, it's just crazy. If you look at it objectively, it just sounds crazy. But this is the mindset of the average American. The average American worries about money. And I'm sure some of you do. As a result of that, we do something crazy. We go out and spend more money than we make. I don't know if it's just some kind of, well, I, I, I'm behind already. I don't either get more behind. I, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but then we obviously go into debt. You can't spend more than you make without going into debt. Now, here's the problem. You live with no margin. And margin is critical in all aspects of life, not just finances. In our relationships, at work, uh, like I said last week, reading a book, you have to have margins on the pay. It's just it's essential to our, to our mentality or our health, mental health. So, constantly we worry some more. So, we consume more than we can afford, unfortunately. And we call that consumer debt. Debt for stuff that, as the price goes up, the value goes down. Like cars, we talked about cars, for example. Obviously, credit card debt. So, then there's no margin for future consumption. Now, this isn't just for stuff we want. This is for stuff we need. Here comes the big problem. you have no margin, then you have your car breaks. Or your air conditioning breaks, or something else happens. You get a medical emergency, and there's no there's no money for it. You have no margin. But the real worry is about future consumption. Probably everybody's fine today, right? You got food at home to eat. You, you drove here. You got clothes to wear, roof over your head. But yeah, you know, what about tomorrow, next week, next next month, next year? So. We think it's a money problem, don't we? If I just had more money, it would solve my problem. How much more? We asked you. Well, it's really not a money problem. If you made 20% more, 50% more, uh, if you're living by this crazy cycle, you'll continue to live in this crazy cycle. You actually have three problems, and we listed them here. You have a self-control problem. You can't control your spending. You have a contentment problem. You buy stuff because you're not contented, with what you have. And a word we really don't like, but the word disciple comes from this word, is discipline. can discipline ourselves to manage our finances. Jesus would say it's a spiritual problem. Not a money problem at all, and we'll look at that a little bit today. It's a spiritual problem. So if you just stood back and didn't think about you or anybody else you know and just looked at that, you would say, that's a crazy way to live, right? Who would want to live that way? Many of us, most of us, a lot of us do. then we said generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. The average person, whatever comes to me is for me. If I've got it, it must be for me to decide what to do with it, to spend it. The consumer or the consumption assumption, we called it last week, always lead to discontentment. Because whatever is... Bright and shiny and new now is not bright and shiny and new a few weeks from now, right? And they bring, and manufacturers know this, the, the, more bells and whistles, and you and I want the more bells and whistles, and, and so we just continue to consume. Well, consumer mentality leads to discontentment. So, here's what I want to talk about today. How can we break out of this crazy cycle? Can we break out of this crazy cycle? And again, it's not by giving you more money. That won't solve the problem. What solves the problem is to flip your and my priorities and that'll make sense in a few minutes. I gave you a definition of generosity. It's the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial issues. So we're going to look at those three words specifically today. But I really love the emancipation part because a person lives a generous lifestyle is set free from their finances. They're not possessed by their possessions. And they don't worry about their possessions. That's freedom. Worry is not freedom, is it? So let's look at the first word, premeditated. Basically means this, generosity requires a plan. Now some of you are a bit more better planners than others. Maybe your spouse is a planner, you're not a planner. But you have a plan. Even if you don't have a plan, you have a plan. If I was to see your checkbook and your credit cards and your bank statement and follow you around and watch you spend whatever you spend, and after a while I could tell you what your plan is. Now for most of us it's the consumption assumption. If I've got it, I'm going to spend it. But no plan is a plan, but it's a bad plan. How often do you drift towards something good? If I'm just drifting physically, am I going to be healthier than if I'm exercising? If I'm drift, drifting in my diet, eating anything and everything, whenever, am I going to make me healthier? So we don't drift into good, do we? We drift into bad. So, that's what happens in our finances. So, you need to have a plan. Now, this always used to drive me crazy when I'd have friends, relatives who would do this. And maybe you do this, and that's fine. But there are people that won't take all their deductions on their income tax. And they let their employer take all this money out. And, so they, and they get so excited in April when this big check comes from the government. And I'm like saying, this was money that you could have had all along, right? And the, and the reason is this. If I don't see it, I won't spend it, right? If, if they hold on to it, or sometimes you let your employer do this. Uh, if they hold on to it, I can't spend it. Now folks, let me tell you, that is not a compliment. That means you don't have the self-control if it comes to you not to spend it, right? So, you need to have a plan. I guess that's some kind of plan. (laughs) I don't know what you do with that big check when it comes. So, we're going to talk about the three S givers. This is the average person. They give spontaneously. And we all know this. You get somebody who's real inspirational or show you some pictures. They'll either inspire you to give or make you feel guilty to give, right? Don't you hate to feel guilty, giving guilty? The Bible talks about we should give hilariously and not guilt out of guilt. So it's spontaneous, obviously sporadic. Sometimes I have it, sometimes I don't. And so consequently, it doesn't add up to much, so it's sparing. So you need a plan, you need... Uh, premeditated. Have a plan. and We call it a budget or whatever you want to call it, but you have a plan with your finances. Second word, calculate it. Calculate it. Generosity requires a specific amount or percentage. I think percentage is best. Uh, if you grew up in church, you probably heard about tithing. It's t- giving 10%. That's Old Testament really, but um, the concept is good, percentage. It always tickled me, especially with my kids. <clears throat> if you gave them a dollar and told them you had to give 10% to the church, it was no big deal. Or even $10, give $1. But then they'd start getting jobs and make $100 in a week, and then think about giving 10 or 200 and giving 20. It kept getting harder. But the key, you're giving the same percentage, and actually... You're keeping 90%. Instead of thinking about the 10% you're giving, you should think about the 90% more that you have. Give a specific amount or percentage. And you give it first. Right? You don't, if I have it left over, afterwards. Because you have this plan, right? And your plan is to give this percentage. And consequently, I can do that or should do that first. We look at Paul said, said it a little later when he said, do this at the beginning of every week. So, the third way of giving is the 3P giver. 3P giver is this. Give a percentage. Now, you can pick the percentage, whatever it wants to be. You want to take a, a religious number, it could be 3%. That's a religious number, 7%, uh, 12%. 40% would be a good number. That's a big, good Bible percentage, right? I don't know how many people give 40%, but anyway, <clears throat> pick a percentage. Now, back to the tie thing. the Bible talks about tithes it says tithes and offerings it doesn't say tithe or offering alright so until until you tithe Old Testament wise you didn't have an offering (laughs) that was your tithe Um, we live under grace we don't live under the law and I think grace is better than law don't you and so I think if I'm going to live under grace, I should give more than I gave under law. So I've always operated under a percentage higher than 10%. But you can choose your own percentage. Secondly, make it a priority. Do it first. It comes before anything else. That way it always gets done. And to make it progressive, you should try and increase that percentage. One problem I have with Tide, there's people for 50 years of their life that been giving exactly 10%, never increased it. All right. I think a generous person is wanting to increase it. So that's <clears throat> the second part, calculate it. Third part <clears throat> is the fun part. This is the designated. And I'm going to tell you how to designate your giving. Isn't that nice of me? All right. I'm going to tell you where to give your money. And it, well, we'll get there in a minute. So generosity requires also a destination worthy of your heart. Now, this didn't come from me. This comes from Jesus. And this is pretty familiar to most of you. His, his teaching in Matthew chapter 6, he said this. not <clears throat> up there. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So your money and your heart are connected. This makes sense to us. If you want to change where your money goes, change where your heart goes. you want to change where your heart goes, change where your money goes. <clears throat> now, we all do this. All of us have hobbies, of well, my hobbies, I guess you call it, is trail running. So I spend money buying trail running shoes, okay? And I've got, I've got more shoes than my wife does, I think, because I've got all these running shoes, right? I, I spend money on those because that's where my heart is. Some of you are hunters, you spend money on hunting. Some of you are fishermen, you spend money on fishing. Ladies, I don't know what you ladies spend money on, but anyway, you have your hobbies, right? Wherever your heart is, that's where your money goes. I, mean, I have grandkids. Money goes to grandkids, right? Grandparents? Because your heart's there. See, money is an emotional thing. That's why people don't like churches to talk about it, because it bothers them. It's emotional. Uh, your heart is connected to your finances. and Jesus said you can't, you got to pick one. Priority, God or, or money in the same passage. So saving is how you say yes to you. If you've taken Dave Ramsey's class, you, you know, that's how you say yes to you. I'm going to give to me second. God first, and to me second. Generosity is how you say yes to what's important to you. You want to give more? Most of us like whatever, like missions, offerings, I'd like to give more. How do you give more? You've got to have a plan. So here. Here's another way to say it. Choosing your destination for your generosity. Give from a grateful heart and give from a broken heart. Now, I haven't said this and I'm not going to say this to give to this church. I hope you love this church. I love this church. I know lots of you love this church. If you love this church, you're going to give to this church. And I'm thankful for all your financial gifts because we can't function without them. And we do function because you are grateful for the the ministry we have here and the ministry we have in this community. So what are the things you're grateful for? There may be some organizations out there that helped you in the past that you're grateful for. People that you're grateful for. Some preacher on TV or something. I don't know who it might be. So I think we all understand that pretty well, right? Give where I have a grateful heart. The second part, though, is, I think was what really is important to most of us. Give from a broken heart. What actually breaks your heart? Now, most of you know we used to be uh, with the International Mission Board. We were missionaries overseas. And the reason we went overseas was because it broke our hearts. There's places in the world where people don't hear about Jesus. We've got churches on every corner in the United States, right? You can turn the TV on, you can turn the radio on, you can hear about Jesus. There's places in the world that you can't do that. And that broke my heart, my wife's heart, and that we went to the mission field. And that's why we give, I shared this with you before, we, spent, we give more money to this missions offering that we have called Lottie Moon in December than we spend on all our Christmas gifts for all our family and friends. Because that's what breaks our heart. What breaks your heart? For some of you, it's more local missions. We have a bunch of you that, that work at Tab This Table. In our church, we give, we give the Tabitha uh, Micah's backpack because it breaks our heart that kids go home on a weekend without food to eat. That should break our heart. What breaks your heart? That's where your, your money should go. So ask yourself these two questions. What are you grateful for? I can't tell you. You figure it out for yourself. But well, what are you grateful for? That's where your heart is. That's where your money should go. And what are you broken over? You decide. So, generous people never feel guilty about saying no. Because they've already said yes. So, when ask somebody asked me for money, I say no. You know, I'm giving lots of money you know, to for international missions. I can't say yes to you because I've already said no, yes to them. We have a missionary my wife and I have been supporting for, phew, don't know how long, and his wife. Transworld Radio. He was actually a student at ACC where my wife was. And I got married. And we've been supporting him all these years. We're grateful for him. We want to support him. We're saying yes to him, so I have to say no to other things. I don't feel guilty about that. That's where my heart is. That's what I'm grateful for. That's what breaks my heart. Now, we'll go back to New Testament time. The temple never lacked money back and the Jewish system, because they had something called the temple tax. Alright? And so, you got a bill, so to speak, or a tax from the temple if you were Jewish, and you gave this amount of money. So, the temple had tons of money. I always had plenty of money, because all Jews were taxed. Not just Jews in, in Israel, but Jews all over the world. So, in Jesus' day, or after Jesus, the church got started. We talk about Paul a lot. Paul started missionary work around the Mediterranean So we'll put a map up here. Jerusalem's down here in the corner. And so Paul went over, we call Turkey now and Greece and so forth, and started churches. And we know some of these names of these places because they're letters or books in the Bible, right? So he went to Ephesus. We have the book of Ephesians. He went over to Corinth. We're going to read something from from Corinth. He uh, later went to, to Rome. Rome's not on the map. He went to Philippi, we got Philippians. He went to Thessalonica, we got Thessalonians. So he went on to place all these places, started churches, right? So these were prosperous areas of the world back then. And so the people were uh, more prosperous in these churches than in Jerusalem because the Jerusalem church suffered under persecution because that's the center of uh, Judaism, Right? And so, if you were a Christian in Jerusalem, you had a hard time even making a living, getting a job, uh, surviving. So, the churches out in this area were prospering. The church in Jerusalem was struggling. There was a lot of poor people in the church. And so, Paul is saying to these folks, and I believe they felt this way, they were broken hearted about the condition of the believers in Jerusalem. So, we're going to read a couple of verses out of 1 Corinthians 16 where Paul's talking about this, and he gives instructions to them. Now, regarding questions about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, our brothers and sisters, they're believers like us, and they're suffering, you should follow the same procedure I gave the church in Galatia. So, evidently, Paul gave all the churches the same instruction. So, what was the instruction? Well, verse 2 tells us what his instruction was. On the first day of each week, what's the first day of the week? Sunday, right? Sunday's the first day of the week. So on the first day of the week, now I don't know if it's significant first day of the week, but some day in the week I think it'd be fine if it was Saturday or Monday, whatever, but weekly, maybe we should say it that way. You should each everybody put aside a portion of your money. So not just sporadically or occasionally or whenever you feel like it, but regularly, weekly, set aside a portion of your money that you've earned. Now, some translations say, in degree which you have prospered. That's a little more <laughs> difficult, isn't it? So you mean to saying, I'm going to give in, in relationship to how, how much I felt God has prospered me? Yeah, yeah. We talked about this last week. Uh, most of us are a little greedy, and that's an ugly word, isn't it? How generous, how generous are we going to be? Because God has been so generous to us. So he said, don't wait until I get there and try and collect it all at once. All right, so don't wait until I come there and show you show all the, you know, the, the pictures and try and inspire you to, or to guilt you into giving. This is premeditated, calculated, right? And then designated for the Christians back in Jerusalem. And he says, when I come, write letters of recommendation for the messengers to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. Now this is the important thing. The money had to get to Jerusalem, Right? And so, you want people you can trust, <laughs> to carry the money to Jerusalem. It's like we have people we trust to count the money from your offerings. Uh, accountability, trustworthy. So, the money would get where it was designated to go. So, back to our definition, generosity is the premeditated. You've got to have a plan. You have a plan. It's probably a bad plan. It's to consume it all. Have a good plan. Alright? Have a plan. It's calculated. Start with some percentage. 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%. With the intention of increasing it. So you can become more generous. And then designate it. How are we going to designate it? What, what's the two, two areas we're going to determine designate it? What we're grateful for. What I have a grateful heart for. And what breaks my heart. And then you can live free. Not possessed by your possessions, not worrying about your money, but live free. So I'm going to give you a, 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 new, a different crazy cycle today. Here it is. <clears throat> give first. It's the way we just described our definition. Save second and live on the rest. And we don't have worry at the top here. What happens then? Peace. Peace. You not to worry. You have peace. You're free. Now, some people will say, that's crazy. In fact, most Americans would, the average American would say, that's crazy. I'm not going to live like that. So let's put them both up there. Got to choose one or the other. You want to live this kind of crazy? Or do you want to live that kind of crazy? Now, a lot of you have taken financial peace, and you've heard me talk about this a lot. My wife and I are financial free. We have no... Consumer debt, I haven't mean, for a long time. We have money in the bank. We have emergency, we can buy stuff, we buy cars with cash, etc., etc. <clears throat> but the only way that's happened because we've had this plan for a long time. We've lived this way a long time. But many of you can give the same testimony. So I would suggest to you this is crazy like this. This is the new crazy to live with peace. <coughs> now, just want to give one example from our life. <clears throat> And most of you have heard the story, part of the story. Back in December, when the president was going to be inaugurated, D, I don't know if D's here today, is D here? Uh, D had a friend that was connected with the Trump campaign, and so they got tickets to all the, the events, the parade, the uh, pre-inauguration thing, the inauguration, inauguration ball, okay? Free tickets to all this stuff. So when you go to a ball, how do you dress, ladies? Not like we normally dress, right? Of course, my wife has a whole closet full of gowns, right, for to go to a ball. She does it all the time. <laughs> no. <laughs> so ladies, you'll relate to this more than me, gotta have a gown to go to a ball, right? Now most gowns cost evidently a lot of money, I don't buy gowns, but... And so, my concern was how much money was this going to cost, <clears throat> but it was also my wife's concern. Because if you spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars on a gown, that's money you can't spend on something else, right? So, it's like a week before the, the inauguration, my wife buys a gown for 40 bucks on Amazon. And I'm going to show you a picture of it. Looks beautiful, doesn't she? (laughs) $40 gown. Now, you think that made her happy? You think she was, maybe it's a simple question. You think she was happier with that $40 gown than she would have been with a $400 gown? Yeah. Because she lives a generous lifestyle. And she didn't want to spend a bunch of money on a dress that was going to sit in the closet for the rest of her life. When that money could be used for something that we're grateful for, or something that breaks our heart. So happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving, rather than receiving. So here's your homework, and I want you to take this seriously. What's your plan? What's your plan? Do we have a good plan or bad plan? Encourage you, and we'll teach financial peace coming up in the spring. Uh, if you need help before that, we'll help you with that. Let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you for your generosity, awesome generosity to us. That your son sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us while we were yet sinners, while we didn't deserve it and never have it and never will. And God, ah, it's, it's just so sad. And we can't live with a self-controlled, disciplined, contented lifestyle so that we can be generous like you. So help these folks transition from that bad crazy cycle to the good crazy cycle, because they will be happier, God, and you will be blessed, and your people will. Anyone here that's not a Jesus follower or is considering it, we encourage you to make that step today. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to believe it all. Just begin that step, and Jesus will lead you. God, you're so generous. So, so generous. We can't thank you enough. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.